Life Audio. Christian Parent Crazy World with Katherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. I am your host, Katherine Seegers, and in today's episode, we will tackle this vitally important question. What do deconstructionists get wrong about God? Now, you have probably heard about the deconstruction movement in the evangelical world where young people who used to be Christians are dismantling their faith bit by bit. My guest today is a good friend of CPCW. She's been here before. Elizabeth Urbanowicz from Foundation Worldview is here to teach us and our kiddos who God is according to Scripture. Why do we need that? Well, If our kids know who God is, according to his word, their faith will be much harder to deconstruct. So we're going to talk about the deconstruction movement today, some of the consistent complaints that we see about God in these deconstruction stories, and we're going to talk about who God really is, according to his word. That's the plan for this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World. So let's get started. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hey, mamas and papas, I wanted to let you know that I have recently created some amazing new resources for subscribing 
on my website. I have a brand new bundle called Partnering with God for Your Prodigal. In that resource, I've collected all of my podcasts, articles, and scripture lists for prodigal kids in one place. <laughs> That's a lot of material. And I have updated my ebook for moms that uncovers the five biggest myths that our culture spreads about mamas. I'm going to be talking about those myths in some upcoming episodes. They are fascinating. I know you've heard them from family members or former co-workers or current co-workers. You know, they may have made you feel pretty marginalized and mere. That ebook called Beyond the Lies and Covering Five Myths That Our Culture Spreads to Mothers and the Partnering with God for Your Prodigal Bundle are just two of my many free resources that I have for subscribing at katherinesegers.com. So please check them out. Alrighty, my guest today and in the next episode is our good friend, Elizabeth Urbanowicz. Elizabeth holds a master's degree in education from Northern Illinois University, and she holds an MA in Christian apologetics from Biola University. Those are some impressive letters. She is the founder and CEO of Foundation Worldview, a curriculum that you're going to hear more about today. We've discussed it before on this show, and I love it. I use it with my kids. Well, she has a brand new curriculum out right now that teaches us the attributes of God. In this episode and the next, Elizabeth and I will be discussing who God is, his intrinsic attributes with the express purpose of creating the kind of solid Christian foundation in our kids' lives that is hard to deconstruct. As Elizabeth points out in our conversation, a lot of the deconstruction stories we're hearing about lately have an inaccurate understanding or depiction of who God is. We must understand all of his attributes. We can't isolate his mercy and his love from his justice and his holiness. All of these attributes combine to make up who God is. With that said, let's jump right in. Elizabeth, it is so awesome to have you back on the show. Welcome back. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, Catherine. It's a joy to be with you today. Oh, yeah. You know, I was thinking about this. You are really an all-star guest. You're like, I give you a five-star rating as a guest. When uh, Renee got in touch with me, who is your publicist, to tell me about this new curriculum you have, I was like, well, yes, of course I want Elizabeth back on because I loved our conversations last time. By the way, we're still using Foundation Worldview with my younger kiddos, especially, mm -hmm. and loving it. They beg to do this curriculum. It's so much fun. But for my listeners who didn't hear our previous conversations, I'm going to link them in the show notes. I, I highly recommend doing that. But they were on how to teach our kids the Christian worldview and then seven specific lies that our culture is teaching our kids. Those are lies that we will likely fall for and our kids will fall for if we aren't actively teaching our kids the truth. They're both phenomenal episodes. I'm going to link those. Can you tell us, though, for those who haven't heard that, how you came to create these incredible educational curriculums for Christian parents. 
Yes. Well, it's really been God's grace and his guidance. And I'm so grateful that I get to be a part of it. But I started off my professional career as an educator in a Christian school. I taught fourth grade for one year and then third grade for nine years. And the Christian school I taught at was a great Christian school. You know, most of the families that sent their kids there were intentional at sending their kids to a Christian school Mm -hmm. because they wanted the school to be supporting what they were already doing in the home. You know, it wasn't just parents that were like, oh, these are great academics. We want our kids here. Mm -hmm. And it was several years into my teaching experience that I just noticed a problem that my students, you know, they knew all the Bible stories. They knew a lot of Bible verses, you know, all great things. So happy. They knew the Bible stories. They knew the Bible verses. But then when it came to actually evaluating the ideas that came their way from culture, there was really a disconnect in that they had, you know, their Bible stories and their Bible verses over here. And then it was just like, oh, this is YouTube, you know, or this is Disney plus. And so I was just like, okay, what can I do to help these children that God has placed in my care eight hours a day, you know, to help them faithfully navigate everything that the culture is throwing at them. And so when I went to look for materials that would just really equip them to think well and to think biblically, I couldn't find anything that did what I wanted it to do at the third grade level, that everything that I found was for high school on up. And I was so grateful that those high school, you know, resources existed, but I thought, man, we can't wait 10 years, you know, lose these 10 years of ground before we train these students in this way. So I just, you know, started writing curriculum on my own, not with the intention of publishing it, just with the intention of helping these children that God had placed in my care. And so as people saw the transformation in the students that were going through these materials with me, you know, people started asking me for them. And I was like, I am a third grade teacher. I am not a Christian publishing house. Like I don't have anything for you. Um, But eventually, you know, just over the years, the Lord made it clear that, you know, what I was doing was needed elsewhere. So eventually I left the classroom to start publishing the materials that I had already been implementing within my own school. And so now I'm just grateful to get part of, get to be a part of what the Lord is doing in, you know, raising up a next generation of children who know him, who love him and who live faithfully for him. Mm. And you do that so, so well. Okay. I know we did this last time, but just give give us a little taste again of like one of those examples of one of those things <laughs> that the kids thought or, or they were ingesting from culture that was not biblical. And, and again, reiterating, these are kids in a Christian school mm-hmm. raised by Christian parents that were intentional about their spiritual formation. And yet they were ingesting these ideas from the culture. Just g- give us a little taste of that. Yes. I think, I don't know if I gave you this example last time, so I'll give, I'll give one that I don't think I gave last time. Okay. Um, <laughs> but one day I was, you know, teaching in the middle of teaching a lesson and I was using the smart board, which were at the time required a projector. The projector went on the fritz. I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. So I gave the students an assignment. I hopped up on top of a desk, you know, started fiddling with the wires of a, on the projector. And one of the students in my class kind of jokingly said was like, guys, this is so stressful. I think we <laughs> should meditate to stay calm, you know, just like a joking conversation. And so, you know, I'm up in the desk. I don't have the greatest uh, balance. And so I'm just trying to figure out, okay, what am I doing? What is my class doing? And by the time I look down, half of my students are on the floor with their legs crossed and their arms out, you know, in the little like Eastern meditation position and their eyes are closed and they're going like, um, and I was like, what is going on here? So like I hopped down off the desk and like, okay, everybody back in your seats, we need to talk about this. And I was like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we were meditating so that we don't get stressed. And I was like, what do you mean? Like you're meditating? They were like, well, we need to like empty our minds, you know, so we're aligned with the universe. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so then I'm like, okay, guys, we need to talk about this. I was like, what do we mean by like the universe? You know, they're like, I don't know, like the universe, you know, we hear about it all the time. And I was like, well, by meditating, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you're emptying your mind? And we talked about how, you know, in scripture, it talks about meditating. 
Mm-hmm. a good deal. But what it talks about meditating on is God's word. And so, you know, Eastern religions teach that we need to empty our minds so that we can become one, you know, with the universe as we truly are, where Christian meditation teaches, the scripture teaches that we are to fill our minds with God's word so that God can transform our minds, that he can renew our minds through the power of his word that the Holy Spirit is working in us. So anyway, everybody just kind of looked at me like, what are you talking about? And so it was just, you know, like, it wasn't like that this was like a huge deal and, you know, like that they were doing something, you know, like they weren't right. worshiping demons or something, but it was one of those things where I was like, okay, this is just like something that they see continuing right. in cartoons, you know, they hear about and they've just absorbed it without any question to right. ask, like, am I really one with the universe? Do I need to work to become one with the universe? Am I supposed to actually empty my mind? Like what question is actually being asked here? You know, we're we're thinking about something like meditation, big questions are being asked and answered. You know, who am I as a human? You know, like what is ultimate reality? Like, am I physical? Am I spiritual? Am I a mixture of both? And then like, what is the most important thing? Like, is there just this universe out there that we're all one and it's the universe that's in charge that we have to align ourselves with? Or is there some being actually outside of the physical universe that is in charge? And so just, there were so many situations that happened like that in my classroom. You know, it wasn't like my students were doing these absurd off the wall things or, you know, these things that were blatantly anti-Christian, but just these little things that had snuck into their worldview. But I thought, you know, if these seeds are continually allowed to grow, like this is going to have a huge impact on their lives later on. And it was just those daily things that I was like, okay, we need some kind of filter, you know, like through which to be able to ask, you know, what is this thing? What is the question that this thing is answering? Does this align with scripture? Does this not align with scripture? And so, yeah, so I just found it really important to start equipping my students to recognize, okay, what are these big questions that different worldviews have to answer? How does Christianity answer them? How do different worldviews answer them? You know, what actually aligns with what we find in the world around us, that they are the ones seeing that the answers that scripture provide consistently line up with what we find in the world around us. Um, And so that that way, you know, then when they were having conversations, when they were reading a book, when they Mm -hmm. were watching a clip on YouTube, you know, when they were talking with a family member, you know, an extended family member at a family gathering, they were able to filter and be like, okay, what is this idea? Is it true? Is it not true? How do I know? So... Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. I love that. You know, I did an episode a while back on, uh, I can't remember how many ways, but 
I came up with these ways that we can help to challenge our culture. And one of the very first mm-hmm. things I, I said we need to teach our kids to do is to, to question everything. Yes. Question everything. And whether that's whether that's the preacher in the pulpit, we need to make sure mm-hmm. that he's teaching biblically or she's teaching biblically or whoever's teaching us in our classes. But also, you know, obviously the stuff that's coming in from our culture. I'm reminded of this story. I, I think I shared it once before, but it just blew my mind. There was this young woman who managed to escape from North Korea. She was uh, she, somehow she she goes through the story of how she managed to get over the border. She escaped. She came to the United States and she was, I believe, in Columbia University and started recognizing a lot of the same sort of tactics that, that were happening in higher education here. And the fact that they were discouraging people from questioning things. And she talked about how the communist leader of North Korea, who was he's a very large man. They used to always tell them as she was growing up that he was starving, just like they were, because so many of the people in North Korea are starving. They are in a, a, you know, if you look at pictures on the map, like satellite imagery of North Korea, it's really fascinating, particularly at night. You'll see that it's completely dark as opposed to, you know, South Korea and North, you know, Asia, north of that and China and everything. This this little pocket there, because it's so underdeveloped. Because there has been, it's been so tightly controlled, and they were told that their leader was starving just like the rest of them, and she believed that. And then she saw a picture of him, and this was after she had escaped. And she looked, and the guy is like rotund. He is, mm-hmm. he's, and kind of obese. And but she believed that he was starving like the rest of them because that's what she was told and she was taught not to question anything. So her leader was starving just like she was. And then she had this epiphany and she realized, you know, because they had been trained not to question things, she actually believed that over what her own eyes, her own eyes could tell her. And I just thought, thought that was so fascinating. She actually saw the same things happening in our higher education here in the U.S. and obviously in the education going up that we're, we're not training kids to question things. We're not mm. training kids to to think through, okay, why am I sitting here with my legs crossed and my fingers out meditating? What is that? Is yeah. that biblical? And if we're raising our kids to to know God and to make him known, then that's one of the chief things we need to do. We need to teach them to question everything. And I love this new series that you have out. It's on the attributes of God so that we can truly know who he is and make him known. And we're not falling for the way that our culture likes to depict God. I love this description of the way you created this series in the uh, publicity materials. You said, why this series? And it says, quote, the evangelical world is replete with young adult stories of deconstruction and deconversion. Most of these describe walking away from a God who looks nothing like the God of the Bible. This curriculum prepares children to unmask the lies about God they are presented with in the culture and even in the Christian community, because you're so right there. Even in the Christian community, a lot of times we have an inaccurate depiction of God. So first off, can you explain to us what the deconstruction movement is for parents who may not know? Yes. So deconstruction or deconversion is just a really popular term right now in different sections of 
the evangelical world where different people are sharing their stories. You know, our, our world right now is just all about, you know, share your story and you're, you're the center of the universe and your story, exactly. like, yes, does your story matter? Yes, your story matters, but it's not mm-hmm. the main story. <laughs> um, yeah. But just these stories about how people, you know, suddenly woke up, you know, to the fact that, you know, the Bible wasn't true or, you know, the God of the Bible, you know, is just like this evil vindictive bully or, you know, the fact that Christianity actually harms people. And this has been happening not not only just with individuals within the Christian community, but a, a lot of more popular, um, well-known evangelicals, like um, this might be more well-known within the homeschooling community, but someone like Joshua Harris, you know, who is really mm-hmm. well-known for his I Kiss Dating Goodbye book. And then, you know, he was also very involved in the Gospel Coalition and, you know, other things. And he just says, you know, like he woke up and he realized the things that he had been teaching from scripture were actually harming people. And, you know, there have been a number of well-known Christian artists, music artists that have come out with those same stories. And so it's interesting listening to these stories. And obviously, you know, we want to have compassion. We want to hear what people are saying. We want to learn, you know, like, okay, what, what has gone on in their lives. But a lot of times in these deconversion or deconstruction stories, people act like they're the first ones to ever have questioned (laughs) anything. And it's like, well, actually, if you start reading like a little bit of history, you'll notice that like people hundreds, even, you know, close to 2000 years ago, were asking (laughs) these same questions and we're seeking answers. You know, we, we might be unique as individuals, but we're not really unique in the questions that we have and the kind of answers that we're trying to seek. So it's just the popular movement. It's really been made popular just by the fact that anyone with a camera and a microphone can Mm -hmm. record themselves and, you know, publish themselves on social media. So that's, that's in a very, very brief snapshot (laughs) of what deconstruction and deconversion is right now. Yes. I I think that's an Excellent, excellent description of it. So what are some of the kind of things that deconstructionists or those who are walking away from the faith, what what do they believe about God that isn't true? Well, so it's hard to just say like, oh, so you know, like everybody believes this because every right. story is unique, you know, like, so there's That's not true. just like one thing that people are talking about. But a lot of times, at least what, what I've heard as I've listened to some of these stories is, you know, people talking about what God commanded the Israelites to do you know, with the Canaanites and saying, yes. you know, God would never do that. That was just, you know, Moses and Joshua, you know, like they mm-hmm. were baptizing their sins, you know, like God would never do that. And it's like, okay, so like, where, where are we getting this? You know, like, where are we getting like who we think and believe God actually is? Or people will say, you know, like that they were just, you know, like they grew up and they, you know, like they, they, you know, were just heard about, you know, these good attributes of God, you know, that God is love and that God is forgiving, you know, like all things that are biblically true about God, Mm -hmm. but you know, they, you know, they can't believe in a God who would practice wrath, you know, like who has wrath towards sin, you know, that, that, that sin is just not realizing how beautiful and how wonderful we are. Actually, if if any of your listeners are familiar with Ted Decker, who is a pretty well-known Christian mm-hmm. author, a fiction author, he has, well, he would not say that he has deconstructed or deconverted. He is following a very progressive form of Christianity right now. And so while his books that he was, I, I, I'm not familiar with a lot of his writing. So like, yeah. I don't know if it was like, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, or maybe even 30 years ago, you know, he was writing themes that were more in line with scripture. The newer books that he's written, I've read several of his series for children, and he actually kind of goes back on things that he said, you know, that Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't need any, you don't need atonement. You don't need forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You just need to realize how beautiful 
you are and the fact that you are love. And when you realize the fact that you are love, you can love others. So there's, there's a whole bunch of different things that are going on, you know, in the deconstruction and progressive Christian movement right now. But I think some of those themes that I have seen are actually questioning, you know, things about God saying that, right. you know, like I never realized this about God or saying, you no, know, God would never be like this or just saying, you know, like, oh, actually when I look within, that's where I find the answers to these things. So mm-hmm. those are just several themes that are brought up consistently in this movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to circle back around to that conquest of Canaan as we get into the attributes of God, because that is, I know in my apologetic classes, I'm sure in yours, that's a big one. That is a big one. But I think obviously as Christian parents, we want our kids to remain in the truth. And that means that we need to make sure that our kids understand who God really is, according Mm -hmm. to God, according to his word. And so often those in the youth and young adult exodus who are deconstructing their faith, they don't really know the full context of who God is or or understanding those aspects of God, like his his justice and what was actually happening in that time period. But I want to read this quote. I think that you were talking about how God is often depicted as a bully. I'm sure you know this quote from Richard Dawkins and the God delusion. It's a mouthful. I have to practice it. I don't know if I can get it out. I've said it on this, this show before, but this is how he describes God in scripture. He says, the God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction, jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving, control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochist, capriciously malevolent bully. Whew. Okay. <laughs> I think I pronounced all that correctly. I mean, it's, it's, that is his depiction of the God of scripture. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people in the deconstruction movement, maybe not that extreme, <laughs> uh, although some of them may be, but somewhere along the line, they see that depiction of God in scripture. They don't truly understand the context. They don't truly understand who he is. So essentially your curriculum counteracts this false narrative who God is that is peddled by Dawkins and others like him who are misconstruing the God of the Bible. And I love how you break your curriculum down into two categories, two different ways that we need to understand who God is. The first way is are his exclusive attributes, attributes that only he has. Talk to us a little bit about those attributes. Yes. So this first, you know, the first 13 lessons in our curriculum are all about these attributes that God alone has. You know, sometimes theologians call these his incommunicable attributes. And it's it's really important as we are educating our children in the truth of scripture that we help them understand that we are not supposed to view God through the lens of who we are. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to view God through the lens of how he has revealed himself to us. And so these incommunicable attributes are things that God alone possesses. So we talk about, you know, how God is self-existent. God has no cause that everything and every being on earth has had a cause that we needed something to cause us to begin where that's not true of God. God is uncaused. He has always been. And so we want our kids to just be able to get a a very tiny grasp of that. Not that we'll ever fully understand that, but so that they understand, oh, you know, like when I'm viewing the world around me, I'm viewing it from, you know, the 
five years, the eight years, the 10 years, you know, I've been on this planet where that's not true of God, that God has this picture. That's the scope, you know, of all eternity. We also teach things like God is immutable, meaning that he never changes, that we're constantly changing. You know, we're changing physically and that we're growing and we're developing and we're aging. We're changing spiritually, you know, that, you know, our soul continues to develop and be formed. We're also just changing emotionally day to day. You know, some days we wake up on the wrong side of the bed, you know, some days we wake (laughs) up joyfully, but we are constantly changing. We're God does not change. Mm -hmm. God is immutable. And so some of these incommunicable attributes are so important for our children to understand because then later when we learn about his communicable attributes or the attributes that he invites us to reflect, we need to understand them through the lens of God's attributes that he has alone. You know, I can't think of how many times, you know, I've heard people say, you know, I just can't believe that God would forgive me for that. I just, you know, like, I just, I just can't really believe that the Lord would forgive me where we're viewing that through the lens of our forgiveness. And when we view, you know, like through the lens of our forgiveness, it is totally believable that someone would not truly forgive us. Cause even when we think about our forgiveness, our forgiveness is limited that we might forgive someone, but we're still going to remember what they did, you know, and we're still Mm going to struggle on if it's, if it was a big offense, we're still might struggle even on a daily basis to choose to continue to release that, you know, to choose to actually forgive them. And we might at some point, we might hold on to that bitterness, you know, and we might not actually forgive them. We're with God. It's different. God is immutable. He is unchanging. And then, so when we learn, you know, that God is unchanging, that means that when he extends forgiveness through Jesus. It's not something that's based on an emotional state. It's not based on him feeling positive about us. It's based on the fact that he is just and he is merciful and justice and mercy perfectly met at the cross. And when God extends that forgiveness to us, it's unchanging. You know, so things like that, we want our kids to understand truly who God is so that they're not viewing the God of the Bible through the lens of their ever-changing emotional state, but they're viewing through, okay, what has God revealed about himself? And how is this so very different than who I am? Because when we understand, you know, God's attributes, like as a whole, you know, God isn't, he's not, he's not made up of lots of different parts. You know, all of God is love. You know, all of God is justice. All of God is Mm -hmm. immutable. Like all of God is eternal. But as we understand these different attributes of God, then we get a more holistic picture of reality-based picture of who he is. So when we're talking about things like God commanding the Israelites to kick the Canaanites out of the land, it's like, well, what does this reveal to us about who God is? You know, this reveals that God is just like when God foretold 400 years, you know, before he commanded the Canaanites to be kicked out of land, he told Abraham that it was not time for that yet because the sin of the Canaanites had not yet reached its fullness, you know, that Mm -hmm. he was giving the Canaanites, you know, chance to repent, you know, but, and so 400 years, you know, we look at, we look at what happened in Germany in the 1930s and the 1940s. And, you know, for, for, you know, just a little over 10 years. And we're like, how could it have taken that long, you know, for justice to have been served? Not thinking that here, God waits more than four hundred years to enact his justice on the Canaanites. I mean, how patient, how loving, how merciful is that of God? So all that to say, you know, when our kids, when we can give them a more well-rounded, biblically rooted picture of who God is, 
how much more um, easily will it come for them to actually understand some of these biblical narratives that might not be easily understood at first glance. And so that's what we're really seeking to do through these materials. Oh, gosh, so much to unpack there. I'm not even sure where to start. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Because... I mean, digging in, that was actually a question I had uh, later for you about the conquest of Canaan. But you're so right. 400 years, 400 years of mercy. And these were cultures that, and I've said this before, I know it's hard to hear. They took living babies just born and put them in fires. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, our news lights up when they find a baby in a a trash bin. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and it's horrific. They did this routinely. That's what these cultures were doing. And God finally, he gave them 400 years of mercy. And then he said, enough, I am bringing justice. And the way he often brought justice was through another nation and conquest. And what happens, I've pointed this out before, does God have favorites who can get away with sin? No, Uh uh-uh. When Israel did the same things, when they when they acted like those nations around them, God brings the Assyrians and then the Babylonians yes. and then the Persians. They, he he doesn't have favorites. He doesn't allow Israel to get away with things that he didn't allow Canaan to get away with. He is just. And I love that you brought up the aspect that he is merciful and he is just. And that reminds me of one of my all-time favorite soliloquies or monologues my background is in theater but i don't know how familiar uh, familiar you are with portia from uh the merchant of venice from merchant of venice yep oh my gosh the quality of mercy is not strained it droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven above upon the place beneath it is quite blessed blesseth him that gives and him that that receives i actually got to uh i performed that recently at a church uh it was so mm. wonderful but at the end of it she says this wonder she's like earthly power is likest gods when mercy seasons justice and god does that perfectly mm. every time i know we want to sit here and cast stones and our tiny, just, you know, finite wisdom about what God allowed. And we look and the conquest of Canaan is like one of those. It's one of those things that that people are so critical of in scripture. And maybe we'll get to some other ones I'd like to. But I think the deconstructionists look at this without truly understanding the historical context of what was happening and how God turns around and is does the same thing to Israel when they do not live up to his standard of justice. And what does he do? He sends the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, as Oz Guinness likes to say, they were the first, they were the first justice warriors in human history, weren't they? They were the ones who were out there preaching and condemning those who were taking advantage of the widows and taking advantage of the orphans and taking advantage of the foreigners. And God tried to create a, a system of justice where there there were he brought money into the storehouse and it provided for those who had less. This is not how most ancient societies worked. OK, yes. that's not what I mean. Hammurabi had a code of ethics, sort of. But I mean, this isn't this isn't really how those ain't they were brutal they were brutal Mm -hmm. especially for women you know there's a lot of criticism Mm -hmm. of what happens in scripture about women but i mean these were brutal societies for women so marrying 
unfortunately was the best option most women had. You know, you could be a single woman, a wonderfully successful woman like you are back in back in most ancient cultures. That just wasn't there. But that really enlightened me how these exclusive characteristics of God really help us to understand how we can be forgiven and how we can extend because we, we don't operate the way God does. Right. We don't. That does not come naturally to me, but it does to God because he is immutable and he does not change. So uh, that's wonderful. And can you think of some other examples of how deconstructionists are getting these uh, incommunicable attributes of God wrong in our culture? To hear the answer to that question and the rest of this fascinating conversation with one of the brightest young minds defending the Christian faith today. Seriously, every time I talk to Elizabeth, I am just blown away. She is so wise and articulate. Tune in next week. Yep, just one week away. So as I'm closing out this episode, I want to read you a portion of a letter that went viral recently online uh, from a deconstructionist. Here's what she had to say. Quote, I was doing my best to maintain a good, close, loving relationship with the God of the Christian Bible. I wanted nothing more than that, to abandon myself, to die so he might live in me. What I was actually doing was denying my own compassion, my own intuition, which was objectively more righteous than a God who murders entire civilizations, the children too, and sends his own creation to hell for what can only be described as a design flaw, one the designer, the creator, is ultimately responsible for. She goes on to say, then one day I could deny and ignore it no longer. The Christian God delights in violence. The Christian church caused me more harm than good. End quote. Look, there is so much to unpack in these these comments. I, I will post a link to Natasha Crane's response in the show notes because I think that she does an excellent job with providing a very cogent, logical, biblically sound answer point by point to what concerns this particular deconstructionist. Natasha goes through the whole letter, like premise by premise. And I think Elizabeth did an excellent job as well addressing some of the criticisms this woman and others have had about our God, particularly in the Old Testament. The fact that God's mercy extends not not for years, not for decades, but for centuries, for centuries to be exact, in a region of the world that practiced rape and child sacrifice routinely shows how merciful. He truly is. But as Elizabeth and I will talk about more fully in the next episode, we want a God that punishes those sins. We want a God that punishes rapists and murderers. And yet many of these deconstructionists complain when he does just that in scripture. Furthermore, I I will say that sin is not a design flaw from our creator. It is the result of God's great gift of freedom for humankind. He isn't responsible for our choice to sin, but he did rectify the ramifications of that choice at great cost to himself, at great violence to himself. God doesn't delight in violence. 
He took violence and torture and murder upon his own son to deliver us from our sin problem. So tune back in next week as Elizabeth and I tackle another tough question in the conclusion of this interview. We will discuss how God can forgive heinous sins like torture and abuse, rape and murder. It doesn't seem right, does it? And yet, our God is that merciful. If you or your kids are struggling to understand how God feels about sins like that, and I I know that this is something I struggle with, be sure to tune in. It's a powerful conversation. Now, if you think you're interested in Elizabeth's new curriculum on the attributes of God, you can get a 10% discount by using the code CPCW10. That's CPCW10. And by the way, I don't receive anything if you sign up for that. I just love these resources for our kiddos, and I want you to enjoy them too. So head on over to foundationworldview.com to get that discount. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and following me on Facebook and Instagram? Oh, oh, and maybe you could say that Christian Parent Crazy World is the best podcast you've ever heard in your entire life. Uh, Just a thought. Uh, and be sure to check out my website, which is katherinesegers.com. That's Catherine with a C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian Prayer Meditation, You can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.